from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sounders Weekly with your host, Jackson Feltz. Good evening and welcome to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders. Sports Radio 950 KJR, Jackson Feltz here in studio and Pete Fewing, head coach of Seattle University. He has been kind enough to come join us here tonight. Pete, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Beautiful day. It is absolutely beautiful evening as we see the sun setting here in Seattle tonight. Hope you all are enjoying it, driving around uh, with that beautiful day having happened. we got a couple more, Pete, and, and this is the time of the year here in Seattle where the sun is finally starting to come out in succession. Yeah, it is great. We trained this morning early, and uh, it's so much fun to be on a great grass field in Seattle. It's you know 60 degrees. Use it for recruiting. You say, hey, 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 kids. Uh. Well, I'll tell you what. These are the kind of days you want to have recruits in from anywhere uh, that don't know our rain that we sometimes get in Seattle. Right. So, uh, yeah, today is it's Seattle at its best, no it question. Is. Well, we will have a packed show here tonight on Sounders Weekly. Uh, Garth Lager will be joining us just in about 20, 25 minutes from right now here on Sounders Weekly. Uh, the general manager and president of soccer with the Sounders will join us for his weekly chat. And Pete gets to be here to this week for that, so that'll be great. We'll also preview LAFC a little bit in the final segment as well. But, Pete, I want to start tonight by talking about Minnesota because, hooray, hooray, the Sounders have their first victory of the year. It's nice to have a win on the on the schedule. Yeah, you're right. Hooray, hooray is correct. Yeah, it one three and one. We said it uh, after the last game uh, that that would looked fantastic on the schedule. After the Sporting KC, they got the tie, and now they've got a win in the win column. So uh, the first half, Seattle looked very sharp, good energy, uh, good dominance, good uh, of, of the game, and good control of the tempo. Great to see Ozzy back on the field. And the second half was a little bit rocky, uh, ended with a fantastic goal, uh, exclamation point. Dempsey to uh, Delem was terrific. So, uh, yeah, it was great for them to get that win. And you and I were in the press box. We were watching Brian Schmetzer in his press conference. We couldn't hear it. There was a little bit of a... Uh, malfunction yeah. there but his body language looks so different he was happy he was smiling he was <laughs> and jackson we saw him uh saturday morning at training and and there was a little more edge to the entire team so it just takes a big monkey off the back it's great yeah. for seattle to get the three points talk about ozzy being back uh we we saw him in the starting lineup for the first time this season that was great gustav svensson was next to him and you had christian roldan starting at the 10 with some interesting lineup decisions we'll, we'll get into those decisions here momentarily but let's talk about Ozzy first. And and just, it feels like every guy we talked to both at the end of last week and then after the match as well and, and heard from, and I look at the, the quote sheet here for the Sounders that happened after the game, everybody referenced just how great it was to have Ozzy back on the field. Well, you know, Jordan Morris, you when he's not there, you you realize you don't, the pace isn't the same up right. front, that getting in behind those slashing runs. Ozzy, when he stepped on the field, there was a calm. There was a calm. We saw it at the Kansas City game, right? He steps on the field. He starts spraying balls around. He hits a very good diagonal ball two or three times a game. He steps in and cuts off passing lanes. Uh, there was a player coming through and and right across the 50, and Ozzy took him down in a way not to get a yellow. I don't know if he got a card or not on that one, but it was a perfect tackle at the 50-yard line to stop a play. And Ozzy has that ability to... Uh, just have presence on the field. And in this one, when he got the start, he was always a terrific outlet mm -hmm. for Roman Torres or Chad Marshall. He did a hit a few of those diagonal balls and he just bring, I, 
I have not spoken to him. I look forward to getting a conversation with him for a couple of minutes at the next training and uh, just telling him how thrilled I was to see him come back. And he just stepped back on the field with the captain's armband right. and did everything that we that Seattle would want a captain to do. So uh, I'm sure Brian Schmetzer was very pleased with him. And yeah, he did a great job. I was really uh, I, I didn't realize how much we missed him. Um, and, and I will tell him that the next time I see him. Will Bruin used the word uh, bring a calmness with me yes. uh, at the Saturday training. He definitely did. And you talked about him being an outlet for Torres. He's also on the offensive end. I mean, this attack had a, had a three-minute stretch there in the 22nd through 25th minute. It was two goals. And Ozzy, I think he hit the ball to Christian on the second goal that came to Will Bruin. His being able to to see things before they happen. And then that takes us into talking about Christian because He's kind of right there, Ozzy's mate, who is able to start at the 10, and he has a fantastic game with two assists starting not at his normal position. He's been playing all year, but playing a position that we saw him play and have great success with towards the end of last year. Yeah, it, seven goals last year from that spot. The yeah. confidence that he, that he had going and attacking, and for him to shift gears that seamlessly from being a defensive center midfielder to, hey, you're, you now have the keys to the car, you go attack, uh, and... It, Came through. He got two assists, and they were good assists. the The goal he scored against Sporting Kansas City, Will Bruin laid off a perfect ball, perfect yeah. weight, perfect location. Well, he turned around and did the exact same thing for Gustav Svensson. And the ball oh. he got in with uh, the cross to Will Bruin, perfect location, great weight, uh, and with his left foot. So uh, it's uh, the weaker of the two feet, but uh, really upped his stock or reminded everyone of his capabilities on the offensive side. You know, when he was at the UW. Uh, he was a very offensive-minded player, very good on restarts, uh, getting in through the box on headers. He's good in the air. So uh, it's really a nice reminder uh, for Brian Schmetzer, for everyone watching, that Christian Roldan is a dynamic player and, and versatile. I believe that was your car toys player to watch uh, on the pregame show as well. Yes, I did call that. Thank you very much. Nice, yes. Nicely done. <laughs> yeah. while, we, while we were also giving plugs for, for our in-game elements, uh, our Alcatel play of the match was Gustav Svensson's shot that you mentioned. What a rocket from 28 yards. Wasn't my, that? my goodness, that was beautiful. That was fun. And and <laughs> intention, right? That's what he meant to do. Yeah. Uh, he lined it Perfect. up and just stroked it. And I, I love to see a soccer net when it's – either a team I'm coaching or a team I'm cheering for <laughs> pillow when it, when the ball hits the back of the net. Yeah. And if you look at it, I, I, if my memory is correct, you know, the goalkeeper didn't have a chance on that yeah. one and he's diving by and it's already in the back of the net. So a very emphatic first goal of the game uh, and a necessary goal of the game. I think you said 23rd minute and, and Seattle had dominated that, but it's one thing to dominate. If you don't get something out of it, it can go against you and you can start to get frustrated, give your opponent confidence. So it was a real, a uh, great time of a goal. And as you said, there was a lot of possession prior to that. So, yeah, Gustav, he's a good guy. He's a funny guy. And um, you know that there's a lot of joy that comes with a goal like that. So, okay, happy so for him. the first 25 minutes or so was excellent. And, yes. and it was great to get the goal at the end of there as well from, from Jordy DeLem off of, off of Clint Dempsey's assist. But that middle portion there uh, in the second half where Minnesota then scored, Christian Ramirez got his first goal of the year for Minnesota. And it Felt like Minnesota may be able to equalize, and they nearly got it a couple times. What happened in that large portion of the game where Seattle essentially took their foot off the gas? Well, games ebb and flow, and opportunities. You know, they get the kid Abu up front, who's very, very fast. Uh, Quintero is 
very dangerous mm-hmm. player as well. Good passer can pick you apart and it can change in, you know, you got to restart. You're all going forward. You got one guy back and it can be an outlet pass. And then all of a sudden Seattle's on its heels. So games ebb and flow where teams are on the attack or teams are on the defense. Seattle had m- the majority of the attack in the first half. Uh, and then when you're down to nothing, it, all of a sudden you maybe start to take more risks. And so Seattle had to weather that. Uh, it was not the complete performance that they would have liked, but uh, Brian Schmetzer will will say, hey, look, look what we did in the first 45 minutes. Let's replicate that uh, in the second 45 minutes. And it was really great to get the, the Jordy Delem goal in stoppage time because um, three, not three, one sounds a lot better than <laughs> two to one. And yeah. it and it. It would have been great to get that in the 78th minute or something like that to ease the pressure a little bit. But it's early in the season. We're five games in. Um, They're now starting to get to a rhythm of one game a week. I think that makes a big difference. I think when you're packing in uh, all these uh, six games in 24 days, it's hard to get a rhythm. And it's hard to find the same team day in and day out. But now, uh, Jackson, with the fact that they're going to play one game a week, next week it's a Saturday, so they can focus on that particular game, and they can do it with the same lineup. So some consistency now to the lineup uh, will probably allow some consistency to 90 minutes of performance. Schmetzer was on our, our, our station with Dave Softy Mahler yesterday, and, and Softy asked him about you know the early season struggle of starting 0-3. And, and Schmetzer said, well, he didn't blame it too much on CONCACAF as much as the injuries. Well, CONCACAF's now, now done, and then the injuries, that situation is resolved as well. You get Victor Rodriguez, who appears in the 18, and it, it seems like we're getting closer with Kim Kee-hee and, uh, and Waylon Francis at left back. So suddenly this team, they're getting real healthy real fast, and that's going to be a danger to teams like LAFC coming up this week. Yes, and, you, and LAFC, the first game of the year at CenturyLink, they put out a different lineup for CONCACAF, right. and then... You know, you look at the lineups. We were in Dallas, and there's five or six, five or six legitimate starters that were out with injury. Uh, Jordan Morris being one of them, and Ozzy and Victor Rodriguez, uh, and then the red cards. Right, yeah. Will Bruin. Will Bruin had an injury, so they've they've had been bit by that bug a little bit, but it does seem to be turning the corner. And uh, and now they're going to go play in a really fun one. Right, it's the home opener for LAFC. Yeah. I would imagine there'll be some energy. Well, I would. Let me say, re-say that. There's going to be a ton of energy in that game, a ton of pomp and circumstance. They're going to have to manage that. They go in there and uh, repay LFC for a loss at home if Seattle can go and do that. And now 2-3-1 and one, uh, doesn't sound great, but it's a terrific start. And really the reality is it's two wins and a tie in the last three yeah. games. So um, yeah, I think they're turning the corner back. And, and again, as I'm saying this out loud, now they're going to be playing one game a week. For the most part, they'll have their occasional two games in a week, but they also have the lineup that they want as well. Right, you have the impending stretch coming up in early May where you, I think you have to play Columbus, Toronto, and Portland in the span of eight days. That's going to be a tough stretch. We'll talk about that next week on, on Sounders Weekly. Uh, Pete, sticking with the game against Minnesota, a interesting decision uh, to a lot of people and one that came as a, as a shock to most fans. Uh, Clint Dempsey starts on the bench. Now, he was away for a number of weeks with the red card and then MLS disciplinary committee gave him the extra game suspension. He was eligible to play in this one and Brian Schmetzer started him on the bench. You were able to talk to Brian uh, Saturday morning, right? The Saturday morning's right. training yep. and got a, a exclusive on exactly what Brian Schmetzer's thinking was, was that about. And then we heard more from his post-game press conference. But what did you hear on Saturday? Well, one of Brian's 
greatest strengths, and Adrian's talked about this uh, publicly, is his man management. When right. you have a player like Clint Dempsey, who's had an illustrious career here and abroad, you have to manage that player, and that means mentally and physically. So uh, Brian just said, hey, look, it's been 35 days since he's played an extended period of time. In those 35 days, uh, 18 days, he's trained seven. I might have these numbers off. It was 17 and 18. It was either 17 days of training, 18 days off, or it was vice versa. So, uh, so he's not gotten his game legs under him. So that was number one. Number two was he wanted the game to get uh, a little bit long in the tooth so that he could bring Clint on to some fatigue legs of Minnesota and so that Clint could be a spark for that. Number three, he's trying to get his game minutes back up, and the best way to do that is is uh, bringing him on when he feels the right time, the right mm-hmm. workload is there. Uh, and then he also said, hey, Clint, look at your history in Major League Soccer. The majority of your school goals that you score are in the second half of the season. So let's not panic. This is game five in a 34-game season. So let's bring you in at a time when the game's a little bit tired. Uh, let's get your legs underneath you. And then, and then, by the way, you score more of your goals at the end of your season uh, in Major League Soccer than you do at the beginning. And so, and it was great for him, for Jordy DeLem to finish that. Uh, two things, absolutely fantastic for Jordy DeLem. On the other side, great for Clint Dempsey to come in Every every goal scorer has to feel like they're contributing. Alex Roldan, hey, you're going to, or excuse me, Christian Roldan, you're going to go in and you're going to be sitting underneath the forward. You're going to be a playmaker now. Hey, I got two assists. I feel good about myself, and he should, right? And Clint Dempsey walks in and says, hey, you gave me some time. I got an assist. So, um, so Clint walks off feeling better. Now, the next one, I would imagine there's a very good chance that he'll start against LAFC. I don't know for sure, but... Based on what that game brings, yeah. uh, you want your experienced players out there. He's got another uh, week to get in some hard training and get his legs stronger. Um, and uh, so I could see that happening. But, hey, that's Brian Schwetzer's call, and, and it worked this week, right? Well, yeah, and in addition to that, as you kind of mentioned there, it's not like he played you know 80 minutes against Minnesota and then has to come back the next week. It, it's a sense where he only plays 30 and he's he's obviously going 100% at that point. His on, work rate on the game was great, wasn't it? It, it was. Yeah. But now you have a Dempsey who can go 80 minutes or whatever Correct. 90 minutes at LAFC at a what probably I don't know what the weather forecast should be but I'm guessing Los Angeles at the start of you know at, at the end of April I was going to say start of May at the end of April is roughly 90 plus degrees. So it's a Dempsey that is ready to go a large portion of this game where you may need him more against an LAFC team who's, I think, second in the West right now than a 2-4 and four Minnesota team who's given up uh, second-most goals in MLS at that point. Yeah, they've now given up 15 goals this season. Yeah. Uh, so they were 12 goals in six games coming in. And, yeah, and, and, and that, too, takes into Brian's thinking as well, I'm sure. So um, it worked he's out. thinking games ahead, and he's, he's thinking chess moves way in advance. Yeah, I think they in the Major League schedule, Major Major League Soccer, MLS, Major League Soccer, yes. In the MLS schedule, they look at they look at uh, you know what's a block look like, and if as you mentioned, three games in eight days, that's a lot. So you you don't just say we're going to start the same guys every week. You you have to you have to kind of come up with a plan at least in general, and and you might change it on the day. It might change in the locker room. It, it, it might change the day before with an injury. So and the other thing is, Clint's thirty five years old, and and yeah. so when you're playing Minnesota and you're at home. And you're a team like the Seattle Sounders. You think we can win this game. And if we save some time on Clint's legs, that might be better. 
Hey, before we break, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Alex Roldan, your former player at Seattle University, now at the Sounders. Second consecutive start there. What are you seeing from him on the field? A lot of confidence. He looks good. He's not overwhelmed. Uh, he's got some bite to him. Uh, his older brother, Christian, knocked over the center back uh, for uh, uh, Minnesota right. and, and then helped him up. Uh, I think it was either Manley or, or Calvo that he knocked over, and, and Christian helped him up. Uh, Alex... Uh, got stuck in on a tackle and just kept going. Alex <laughs> is tough, and, and his quality is uh, is good. He was good on the ball in the Dallas game. The one thing I loved in the Dallas game was that he uh, tried to chip the keeper from 50 yards from inside the center circle. He subbed onto the game. Uh, it was 3-0 at the time, so there wasn't a lot of pressure in that particular moment. But he looked up, and I've seen him do it. So I like his confidence uh, he's willing to do the hard work. You know, he's a blue collar guy, mm-hmm. uh, but he is also pretty good on the ball. Took a shot. Uh, it was great. Ladero on the free kick early into the game, uh, sprung uh, Alex for a shot and he hit it just wide to the right. If someone was at the back post, it was a kind of a tweener. It was either got to get to the back post and get on the end of it or keep it on frame. But I'm proud of him. He's, he comes around. He lives very close to uh, campus and so and he's still going to school yeah he's finishing up and getting his degree and, and he's got an internship with readapt which is just great <laughs> so here he is I, I know monday he's at readapt one of the sounder sponsors and he's got an internship with their uh ceo and owner rick Cantu. so uh he's kind of doing it's continuing like a college soccer player where he's he's going to school and doing his job on the field but i i was i've been very impressed i know brian uh feels very comfortable with him being on the field Yeah, he's had a bright start so far and definitely has a bright future in front of him. All right, what do you say we talk to Sounders general manager and president of soccer, Garth Logaway? He will join us next. Jackson Feltz here in studio alongside Seattle University head coach Pete Fewing. We'll be back on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders. Sports Radio 950 KJR, Pete Fewing, head coach of Seattle University here in studio with me today. Thanks again for joining me here, Pete. My pleasure, Jackson. Thank you. And Pete, every Tuesday at this time here on Sounders Weekly, it's a pleasure to have on Sounders general manager and president of soccer, Garth Logaway. Garth, good evening. How are you on this beautiful Seattle evening? It is absolutely glorious and uh, today, and uh, it is equally wonderful to be on your show, Jackson. I don't, I don't know if it's it's as wonderful. I mean, man, we're getting, what, 70, 80 degrees days? On, I think on Thursday, it's a beautiful time of the year. It's, it's just a shame we don't have a, a soccer match in 80-degree weather yet. We have to wait a couple weeks until Columbus comes to town. Yeah, this these are the days. We train this morning at 8 a.m. These are the days everybody loves in Seattle. So, And, Garth, when someone comes in, you've been here a while now, but these are the days that uh, we always brag about and look forward to. So we should enjoy it. Yep. Good day for recruiting soccer players. I'm with you. (laughs) Good day indeed. So, Garth, let's start with last Sunday. uh, 3-1 victory over Minnesota that Pete and I were talking about a few minutes ago. I wanted to open up our interview today, getting your thoughts on the first victory of the year and the performances by your guys on the pitch. Um, Yeah, I think it was important. Uh, We had to get the first one. And, you know, I think that uh, there were some portions of the fan base that were maybe more concerned about that than maybe we were internally. But, uh, it didn't change the fact that uh, we needed to get a win. Uh, and that wasn't a perfect one. Uh, clearly, uh, everything's still a work in progress, but that's also pretty normal for April. Um, you gotta you got to build up into this stuff, and 
I think we got a much tougher game uh, coming up this weekend at, away to LAFC and uh, in the inaugural game, first ever game in their new building. Um, we hear good things about that, but I think it's going to be really, really tough. Um, and we're going to see uh, kind of what we're made of and, and uh, you know, what stage we're at in terms of our progression. Can we take this win and can we build on it? Garth, we'll address LAFC coming up here in a few minutes. Have have a couple questions on that. Let's stick with Sunday's game against Minnesota, though. Uh, the guy who scores the third goal, Jordy DeLem, uh, a question that sparked my mind just a few minutes ago was how you see his future, both with the best position, because he is another one of those versatile players that we talked about last week, a guy who can bring flexibility to the lineups and the formations, and also in terms of where he sits in the landscape of the organization. What do you see from him in, in two, three, four, five years? You know, he's, he's a player that's uh, begun to establish himself in the team. And, you know, when you give him opportunities, he's done uh, reasonably well with those. So he's got a lot of competition at that spot. I think his best spot's probably defensive midfielder. Um, and that's a spot where we have, you know, a lot of other big-time guys that are playing really, really well right now, uh, whether that's Gustav or Ozzy or Christian or Nico or Harry Schiff sometimes. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good group of players that can, that can man that spot. And so there is a lot of competition, um, you know, uh, and that's that's one of the realities of where Jordy is. Uh, but he scored a great goal, made the most of his opportunity, you know, did a nice job pressing when we brought him in. Um, and I think, you know, whether it's there, maybe even some center back, maybe he gets some reps with, with S2 uh, before we put him into a, a Sounders game at that position. Uh, but maybe that's something else we can look at for him. Uh, as you said, flexible player um, and, you know, that's the best way to get on the field is if you can play multiple positions. Garth, it's always nice when Coach Schmetzer calls your number and you go in and tuck one away. Uh, I don't think we'll hear very often Dempsey to Delem goal, uh, but it is something that gives a young kid confidence and then the bond that comes with scoring a goal and doing some form of celebration, hand slapping, whatever it is that they uh, they do after the game. But it is nice to uh, for him to come in and get a goal. And as you mentioned, it wasn't the most complete performance of the year but it's a great way to end that one so uh how was he do you see him right after the game it, uh jordy or yeah. clint uh, jordy. jordy yeah yeah look i mean i was most impressed that jordy knew the, the celebration of what that thing that does <laughs> yeah, that's, intricate, right? I mean, say that. yeah shots being exchanged it looks to me and and uh you know it's uh, he had that down and, and one thing I, I gotta mention jordy is one of the best people in our team i mean that kid is he, he is so mature and so responsible and it's just the nicest person. Um, and so to see him rewarded with a goal like that at the end of the at the end of the game was was really cool. Uh, obviously helped our team. Um, you know we uh, we gave him the game ball for his first ever MLS goal. Right. Uh, and you know he just is gracious and humble and, and you know you want nothing but good things for him. So uh, you know yes got to see him probably five minutes well, maybe 10 minutes after he scored when we when he addressed the team and held up the ball and you know you could see he was a little bit shy and uh but it was uh it was a cool moment uh you know for the whole group uh, to see a, a kid like that step forward and and uh, have his big moment garth uh, pete mentioned clint dempsey there and one of the other big storylines coming out of the game or at the start of the game was clint dempsey starting on the bench as, as opposed to starting in the main 11 for the Sounders on Sunday. Brian Schmetzer joined our own Dave Softy Mahler yesterday and talked about how he has you know, the full autonomy to make those decisions, whether to start whether to start guys or, or start guys on the bench, etc. 
And I wanted to, to ask you, what sort of communication goes on between yourself and Schmetzer over lineup decisions such as starting Clint Dempsey on the bench? And I talk, you know, regularly, and he, you know, he tells me the team before he puts it out. But that's absolutely his purview. I've worked with four head coaches uh, in my 11 years now, and uh, never once have I told some one of them, you know, who to play or who to put on the bench or uh, any of that. That that is, uh, th- th- those are their decisions to make. They're not easy decisions, and I know in in, uh, in Brian's case for sure, uh, and in almost all cases, they're very uh, carefully weighed and considered and. Um, you know, I know Brian and his staff spent a lot of time on it, and you know that's how they came out. And look, we won the game, uh, and we, we won the game, and uh, you know, uh, you know, got a goal with Clint on the field. So I think uh, you know potentially it's something that uh, they continue to look at going forward. Yeah, it's that's an interesting dynamic. Terry Fisher, who runs Washington Youth Soccer, I think he coached the LA Aztecs, and the owner would sometimes run notes to him on the field about substitutions he had to make. And uh, I can't, knowing you, Garth, and knowing Brian, I can't imagine any of that kind of stuff happening. And he's got Brian's got such a terrific staff, but that's not something that um, I would imagine you ever having to do or or uh, ever consider doing as well. So uh, It's actually it's actually banned by rule. Uh, really? A uh, couple of years ago in the NFL, oh. actually, the Cleveland Browns general manager got suspended for communicating uh, with the bench during That's the game. Right. And MLS has, has the same rules, that it's there is no communication permitted uh, between front office and, and the bench. I mean, and, the, and the official reason for it is you kind of don't want a spy in the sky. You don't want somebody, you uh, know, right. uh, you know, with them taking pictures from up above and then sending those down to the bench and stuff. That's, you know, considered a competitive advantage. So, um, no, we don't do it. Uh, you know, culturally, we wouldn't do it anyway. Um, so again, those guys, the coaches, they're there on the sideline. They're in the moment. They got to feel the game. Um, you know, and uh, you know, no matter how well intentioned uh, a perspective from up, 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 up above in a press box, uh, I just don't think you have that uh, that feel. Right. Sounders general manager and president of soccer, Garth Logaway, joining Pete Fewing and I here on Sounders Weekly. Uh, Garth, you talked about facing Los Angeles uh, Football Club, LAFC, this weekend at the new facility that was, I think I read here, $350 million new stadium down there in L.A. It's supposed to be just beautiful, so we'll see We'll see that on Sunday. I wanted to talk to you about, about John Thorington, the general manager of LAFC. Uh, last week we talked about how Minnesota was built in as, as an expansion club and, and how they've kind of worked around their roster to where it is now after, after a year and a little more than a year. But from LAFC, compared and contrasting what they've done, how have you seen from your conversations and where you're sitting, seen John Thorington build LAFC's roster in comparison? Uh, I think I, I really awesome job there. And, and uh, you, you guys may or not know this, but his brother, Mark, actually works for the Sounders. Uh, he runs our camp. So it's an awesome family. Um, love everybody for the Thorington. So, um, you know, they're a pro. And I think they think they've really nailed their brand within the LA marketplace. I think the stadium's going to be really cool. I hear universally positive things about it. Their training facilities that they just opened is cool. You know, they've made some big investments on VPs. So I mean, I think they've really come out and tried to make a good first impression. Uh, you know, and I think that if there's a club to compare their start to, it's it's Atlanta, uh, and we know how well that's going for Atlanta. So um, you know, and it's funny because all these teams are are emulating the Sounders. Uh, in some form or fashion, you know, with, uh, you know but it sounds crazy, it was, you know, nine years ago now, but, uh, you know, the Sounders were the original awesome, over-the-top, good watch, 
Um, and when the league keeps having these, um, whether it's Atlanta or LAFC or Minnesota, that's just a really good thing. That is, that is the rising tide you are watching before your eyes uh, because as these guys launch and they get relevant and they sell out, um, it's going to drive everybody uh, to get better and, and hopefully increases the value of the league and means that you're earning a, a bigger television contract uh, or streaming contract or whatever the heck we're going to have in 2022 um, you know, down the road. And that, that'll allow the league to keep growing. So it, it's really important and really fun to see. Yeah, Seattle Garth should should take some pride in setting a new bar, uh, and and I would agree with the Atlantis come in and raise that a bit, and that uh, puts all of you on your toes as well, I'm sure. And and then L.A. coming in, they really didn't have a choice though, did they? Because with the ownership group, a bunch of high achievers, high profile people, and then with their next door neighbors, uh, and the L.A. Galaxy having all their MLS cups, they really had to come in and and do this thing right from the beginning and. Wouldn't you imagine that uh, but the competition between both programs, I mean, Ibrahimovic, obviously signing with L.A. was sort of a, a response, uh, possibly, but I bet it's fascinating to sort of be a, a fly on the wall and listen to what they say about each other and what they have to do to beat each other to win the L.A. city, right? Yeah, no, it, it's a rivalry. It's a real rivalry, and it makes yeah. both teams more relevant. And strategically, that's why the league's done it. You know, it, it they did this in New York. It worked. Uh, between Red Bull and NYCFC, um, and they're certainly hoping that it, they're, they're going to do it in L.A., and it worked there. Um, and, and look, I mean, they tried this 10 years ago with the Chivas experiment, and that one didn't come through, but a lot of credit to the league that they were able to make some really good strategic choices and kind of unwind that and then, you know, sell it for even more than it probably was worth at the time. So um, a lot of credit to those guys for figuring that out, and I think it's a huge part of what's driving the league now is, you know, I think in the initial phase, we had a lot of success in medium-sized markets um, as a league, and now we're starting to pop in, in big cities, you know, like Atlanta, like New York, now like L.A. Yeah, and I think that, again, drives the whole enterprise forward. Yeah, that's so great. Toronto in there for sure, too. Sure, sure. Uh, Garth, what do you think the profile of the new MLS owners, uh, how has that changed? Do you think that's, when I think about like Columbus maybe, and Frankly, I don't know their ownership group, but do you feel like the new ownership group uh, or groups that are starting to emerge have a different mindset? You know, I, I can't speak to that because I don't, I don't know the individuals, all of them. And, you know, LAFC, as an example, has, I think, 20-plus owners. Yeah. So I, I don't know that you have a collective mindset difference. But what I would say is that the investments are just staggering. I mean, if you look at, you know, you alluded to a $350 million stadium. There's a training facility on top of that. There's a, a DP investment on top of that. You know, it, you know, if you look at the the money that Atlanta is spending, NYCFC is spending. They just opened a training facility uh, yesterday. Um, you look at uh, uh, Toronto and the investments that they've made. I mean, literally, you know, building out their stadium to try to continue generating revenue and, and uh, supporting the spending that they've made. You know, but you know, people forget, right? Like if, if we played the final two finals with Toronto. Um, and and uh, we'll be rooting for them, supporting them in the in the CONCACAF Champions League final tomorrow night. Um, but their payroll was double what ours was, um, and so that again that just shows you how much investment uh, folks are making and how far we're pushing the envelope as a league. And again, it's a good thing. Um, it's going to make it's the league is clearly better. It is objectively better than it was even two years ago. Um, and as the quality of play increases, more people are going to want to watch. More people are going to want to watch on TV. Uh, and that's going to make us all better. So it, it's going to be competitive for sure. LAFC is going to uh, you know, be a tough opponent this weekend, but you know, long term is going to be a really tough opponent um, given uh, you know, their approach so far.
you talk about those owners guys uh, nomar garcia para mia ham will ferrell i think all three of them were here in seattle when in the opener they got just that giant ownership group because pete you're right they have big names that uh, have a lot of sway in terms of just la sports fans and and if they're behind lafc then you're gonna have the la fan behind the team as well just because of their buzz i was impressed with their travel the, the people that came with them Garth, yeah. they had a they had a for their first MLS game, they had a lot of people in uh, the, the black and gold. They, it was impressive to me. It must be fun for you, Garth. You've been in this league a long time. And to see what you've seen, especially the, the rise in the last, as you say, three, four years. And when you say that, that it's, it's better than it was three years ago, I think the, the um, serious soccer fan who's been watching the game in this country would have to agree with you, and that's exciting. It's yeah. fun to see the level going up. That first game between LAFC and the Galaxy, you could not have scripted that any better. And <laughs> it must be fun for you, Garth. It, it probably adds to your workload, but it must be uh, fun to see the incremental improvements. Yeah, yeah. look, I mean, there, the game Atlanta against New York two weeks ago was, yeah. Yeah. was a phenomenal soccer game. Um, you know, the playoff game, Atlanta-Columbus last year, was a phenomenal right. soccer yeah. game. Um, you know, and, and yeah, you're, you're getting these, these big clashes now where people are, you know, just, there's just, it's not big names on the field anymore. It's, it's good players and it's a lot of good players. And so the ball moves faster and it's just, it's more compelling. And as I said, I, you know, for those of us who have been in this, you know, for me, that dating back to 1996, when I get drafted and play in the league, and then I'm a television commentator and then uh, a GM at a small club GM, like, you know, it's been a 20 year path and to go from, you know, training in a public park without a goalkeeper coach in my case um, and dressing in a, in a, a double wide trailer uh, to where we are today. It's, it's amazing the progress that we've made, you know, and, and the salary caps doubled in the last two years. So you see the, the level of investment that the owners are making in terms of pushing the envelope forward. Um, and you got a lot of people working together right now to try to make this a, a really, really legit um, enterprise as a league. And, and that's, that's really exciting. It, it, is it stressful as a competitive? Yes. Um, but it's really, it's a really fun business to be in. It's a really fun uh, league to be a part of uh, because everybody's working together to get better. Garth, sticking with LAFC, as you know, I've, I've been trying to use this interview as a way to connect fans to the club and, and, and ask questions a little bit. Got this from Hira32 on Reddit that asked, what was the or is the ultimate goal in loaning Aaron Kovar to LAFC, and is he still part of the Sounders' long-term plans? We'll see how he does. You know, the purpose of loans is to get guys uh, kind of a new look, a new lease on life, and see how they do in that new environment. And, uh, you know, we, we keep tabs on air. We'll check in on him. And uh, he's an awesome kid, one of our academy kids, one of our homegrowns. And, uh, you know, we're, we're rooting for him and, and wishing him well. And uh, I have no doubt we'll see him when we're down in L.A. this weekend. Garth, we've been talking for weeks on end now about a new signing uh, to replace uh, Jordan Morris. Another question relating to that, sort of, uh, this comes from Lonnie Griffin on Twitter, which I think a lot of fans are looking for understanding and simplicity when it comes to, to signings in MLS because they are very complicated. But the, the simple question that I think you'd be able to answer better than anybody else is what are the differences between TAM signings, uh, targeted allocation money signings, and designated player signings, both in terms of the financials that go into it, in terms of how difficult both signings are, you know, uh, if you can kind of go into the differences involved with each type of signing. I put the designated player signings is, is still a lot more complex than, than any other signing. 
Um, but it's mostly just money. I mean, the, the TAM signings make uh, basically between 500 and 1.5 million. That's not just salary. That's everything that goes into the transaction. So whether that's a transfer fee or a loan fee, um, you know, player salary, et cetera. Um, uh, you can have some bonuses factor in you know, signing and some other stuff. So uh, that kind of all goes in that cocktail. It's got to fit between 500 and 1.5 and then above 1.5 are, are, are DPs. And to be clear, you can have DPs below 1.5 as well that's legally permitted it's just a, an accounting mechanism as to whether or not you designate it as a designated player or a tam um and you just you just have more limits on the dps so you probably want to make bigger investments in the dps from a strategic perspective because you only get max three of them um and uh you know with the tam guys you can have an unlimited number of guys so there's some incentive with the tam to try to use the money as efficiently as possible because if you have right now $4 million in total TAM between the discretionary and the mandatory, um, just simple math, you can sign eight TAM guys at 500000 or four TAM guys at, at a million each. Uh, and so that's what, what's fun for us as GMs is now you have to weigh some of those strategies. And, you know, how are you making investments um, to create the best team? Um, and part of that's creating competition at positions. Um, you know, we talked about earlier uh, today when we talked about having flexible players. One of the things that does is that increases competition in training. And when the level in training goes up, now every day people are held accountable, uh, and that leads hopefully to better performances on the field and in the games on the weekend. It's fascinating. Uh, Garth, a couple of questions for you. Uh, with John Schneider and Pete Carroll, you know, the draft's coming up for them, so that everything is being looked at very heavily uh, and closely. What do you like? What kind of... Uh, what do you like to sign the most? Do you like to sign the DP player? Do you like to sign? Do you try to try to figure out the TAM money? Uh, do you guys have a chart that says, "All right, we're going to put a, a DP here, we're going to put a TAM here, our homegrowns are going to go here, we're going to be outside backs or one center back"? Do you have sort of a? Do you have a schematic of what it looks like in the war room when you and Adrian and Brian everybody's talking, or do you say we're going to go out and find the best players? What drives the decisions? That's a great uh, question, by the know, way, isn't it, Garth? Huh? It, it is. Yeah, it maybe is. you can help me with and, and, Seattle U. Figure out where we do our scholarships. It's good. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, it, the, the stuff doesn't doesn't change. I think the, the, the concepts don't change that much, whether it's uh, youth soccer or college soccer or professional soccer. I mean, you want your your usually you want your money spent down the middle of your team, which sure. is to say on the spine of your team. Um, the guys who are on the ball the most often, the guys that have the most influence from, you know, from, we use expected goals as a metric um, to try to, you know, break it down objectively. We talk about having a culture of evidence. Um, soccer is a very subjective sport and we all can say, well, I like him and I like him. Um, but we try, we strive to always say, okay, why? What support do you have for your position? Um, because otherwise it's just an opinion like anybody else's. Um, and we specifically try not just to sign the best player. Um, it is, you know, I think when it comes to a draft setting, I think then you do, I mean, in part because, you know, candidly our draft isn't as strong as it was, you know, when there were, just to state the obvious, when there were 12 teams, there were more good players than when there were 23 teams. So, um, you, you know, you really have to hone in on, uh, a guy you think can make your team uh, when you're talking about a draft setting. When you're talking about building your team, you really got to try to drive value in every single acquisition you make, and, and that's how we evaluate players. So, um, you know, we've had success, for example, getting now two players from China. Um, and China, the Chinese clubs are playing, paying the majority of their wages. Um, so those are good deals for us. Those are good values for us. Um, certainly a couple of places we have to go out and spend the really big money on the DP types. Um, but I think, you know, I, I touched on the TAM strategy a little bit. 
you know, can you make a little bit deeper team? Um, and then can you have the guys below them um, playing at effectively a TAM level um, as well? And now maybe you have a group between the DPs, the TAMs, and your, your, your kind of solid core veterans. Can you get to, you know, 15, 16, uh, hopefully 18 guys that are pushing every week to play um, and then hopefully a bunch of young guys uh, behind them and, um, you know, been really happy with Hanwala Buana, been really happy with Alex Roldan in terms of two new guys who joined us this year. Henry Wingo is a kid that we think still has some potential when you look at uh, kids that are up and coming. But the kids that we're honestly most excited about are probably our 17-year-olds, um, 16. You know, we're signing out kids as young as 15. But um, the academy, we really uh, made a significant investment in starting in 2016. And it's a five-year cycle. It's five, it'll take five to seven years before those kids perkle up. But the idea then is you're making plans such that from a contractual basis, uh, you've got to take the current group that we have, and then hopefully within another two years, you're having these kids uh, begin to come out of the academy and uh, take on, at least begin to take on roles in the first team. And when we see that, that will truly kind of be the next level for us. Um, because that will allow us to be really efficient in our decisions because no one's going to know those academy kids, those S2 kids better than us. Um, and we're going to be able to plan for when and how to bring them up into the first team. And that's going to give us a, uh, even a greater level of detail in terms of how do we map out um, player profiles, um, how, player successions, you know, which is to say how many years are guys under contract for, how many years are the backup under contract for, um, and then hopefully blend that all into style of play. So it, it is really detailed. Um, it is, and you have to stay on it constantly. Uh, always, always, always find value. Um, if you're uh, if you're overpaying someone, um, it doesn't just hurt on that player. It hurts on the player that you miss that you can't sign because uh, you know uh, you're not getting good value at that spot, whatever spot it is. That's great. I, there's a reality TV show right there. It's, trying to sort out the, the TAM money, the <laughs> DP money. Uh, that Interesting conversation. You were a goalie. Uh, would you ever see Seattle having a, a DP goalkeeper? I don't think so. Yeah. I really don't. I just part, part because the goalies we have access to are so good. And, yep. and we have mm-hmm. Tommy Dutra, who I think is yep. arguably the best goalkeeper coach in the country. And, you know, we, we just – the competition is so fierce at that position. This is true, you know, back to when uh, Tommy and I played because we're the same age. There's just there's a lot of good goalkeepers in the U.S. Uh, certainly relative to the rest of the world, and and that means that uh, honestly it probably wouldn't be a very good value to right. spend a DP spot on a goalkeeper. Yeah. And you're seeing another good one that does your coach Tyler Miller right across from you again this weekend, uh, Garth, and it'll be another fun battle facing a former Sounder. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, Tyler was outstanding when he came here to play the first time, uh, and certainly he's a kid that we think is is really talented, and you know he deserved a shot. And then uh, he's getting it with LAFC, so good for him. He is. That'll be a 6 p.m. kickoff. Uh, we'll have the game right here for you on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Pre-game starting at 5:30. Uh, Garth Lagerway, General Manager and President of Soccer with the Sounders. Garth, I know we kept you a, a long time, an extra extra extended interview here tonight, uh, but we really appreciate it, Pete Fewing and I. Really appreciate it here on Sounders Weekly. Thanks so much again for joining us. No problem. That was fun. Great stuff there from Garth. Uh, man, that was that was fun, Pete. That was a long chat. That was all fun. He is sharp, and he's been in the league, as he said, since 1996, getting drafted into the league. So he's seen so much. And right. he's, you know, he's a lawyer by trade, right? He uh, has got that law degree, so he sees it from so many different angles. Uh, we stand uh, you know, next to him at training, and then we're in the press box with him, and 
He is as fired up. He came here from Real Salt Lake right. and helped build that into an MLS Cup champs in 2009 and, and wants to do it. He's already done it once with Seattle, wants to do it again. So it's fun to get his perspective and his insights. Yeah. And frankly, the conversation before we, were, we started taping was really fun to hear the insides uh, story a little bit. So it was good to talk to him. Yeah, we were able to talk to Garth off the air before joining for a few minutes, and that was a lot of fun to talk to him. Just a few minutes left tonight on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Pete Fewing, Jackson Phelps, we'll be right back to preview LAFC this Sunday. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Just a couple minutes left here tonight on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Feltz back here in studio alongside Seattle University head coach Pete Fewing. Pete, thanks again for joining me here tonight. The show has gone pretty fast. We only have a couple minutes left here. It's gone really fast. It's fun to talk Sounders, that's for sure. It absolutely is. So, LAFC coming up on Sunday for Seattle. 6 p.m. kickoff right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. We'll have pregame starting at 5.30. Who are LAFC? Uh, they obviously face the Sounders in the first week of the season. A one to nothing victory for LAFC. What have they done since? Well, they're currently second in the West, uh, 12 points on the season through six games. We look at the last four games, though. Pete, this is a team that's given up a lot of goals. Uh, four goals to the Galaxy, five goals in Atlanta, a shutout against Vancouver, who plays bunker ball anyway, and then three goals to Montreal. This is a team that can be scored on. It is a team that can be scored on. Tyler Miller, former Sounder, and Charlie Lyon are their two goalkeepers, and, and uh, Tyler's had a bit of a rough go. Uh, on some days, he had a clean sheet against Seattle and was in the right place at the right time, made a couple of good saves there. But, yes, uh, they've got firepower. Where have they invested their money? It's <laughs> it's up front. Diego Rossi's got four goals, four assists. Carlos Vila has got uh, five goals and three assists for Vila. And then Latif Blessing's got two goals. So they are a team that, uh, on the offensive side, very lethal. On the defensive side, uh, more porous than a Bob Bradley former national team coach uh, would want. So Seattle, that's there's op, there's opportunity. Yeah, the key is keeping the ball in LAFC's defensive half. So that'll be at 6 p.m. Uh, match taking place down LAFC's first home match at their new $350 million Bank of California Stadium. It's supposed to be rocking down there. It's going to be a crazy, crazy atmosphere. It will be. Uh, I tried to get tickets <laughs> for someone <laughs> and... Uh, uh, Mark Thornton it works for the Sounders, and I know him through Seattle U. His brother John runs the club. That's right. There are no tickets available, so <laughs> it's, gonna be it's crazy. a sold-out show. It'll be great energy. All right, 6 p.m. on Sunday. Listen to us then. Uh, that'll do it for Sounders Weekly tonight. Thanks to Pete for joining me here in studio. Thanks to General Manager Garth Logaway for joining us for a long time over the phone. If you missed any of the show, you can go listen to the podcast on SportsRadioKJR.com, the iHeartRadio app. We're also on iTunes. Thanks again for joining us. Have a pleasant evening. Thank you.